stand if you can. We're going to sing 513. 513. seated. Well, it's another beautiful day in the Ozarks, and so we're glad that y'all are here. We do have a number of folks out, so please do keep them in your prayers. I think we have some unspoken prayer requests, a number of requests for health and and uh, friends and loved ones going through surgeries and trials, and so let's just lift one another up and keep praying, if you would. 
don't really have any announcements uh, this morning, so we'll receive our morning tithes and offering at this time. All right, Jim, if you would, ask the Lord's blessing, please. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that we can meet here to fellowship and think about the truths of the songs. And yes. Lord, how we can just uh, know that uh, all these things can be applied in our lives and just have it be a blessing in the heart. And I pray, Lord, that you just uh, bless this offering, Lord, that every dollar would be used for your glory and for your honor. I pray that we would uh, see souls saved because of this. I pray, Lord, that you just uh, bless the gift we give her. Amen.
I've got to be honest with you, it's fun looking at y'all sitting out there, y'all smiling, so praise the Lord for that. Um, I want you to get your Bibles, though, if you would, and turn to the book of John. And we're going to look at John chapter 10 again. John chapter 10. We're going to begin in verse 22. John chapter 10 and verse 22. Go read down to verse 42. So the Bible says this. Um, and uh, it's, the Bible says, And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. And then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. The Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? And the Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, because thou, being man, makest thyself God. You might want to remember that verse right there. Jesus answered them, Is, is it not written in your law, I said ye are gods? If ye call them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him of whom the Father hath sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works, that ye may know and believe, and the Father is in me, and I in him. Therefore they sought again to take him, but he escaped out of their hand. And when they... Uh, and went away again beyond Jordan into the place where John at first baptized, and there he abode. If you will, he went back to the beginning. Okay? The Bible says, And many resorted unto him and said, John did no miracle, but all things that John spake of this man were true, and many believed on him there. Let's pray. Father, we do love you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the ability to sing praises to your name. Father, we do want to glorify you and praise you for the great God and Savior that you are. Father, we just pray that you would meet with us. Father, help us put aside the cares of this world for a time. Father, be with those who are apart from us, Lord, for safety, uh, for those who might be traveling. Father, healing for those who are sick. And Father, just pray that you would uh, move on the hearts of those who should be here. Father, just uh, bless us now. Father, help us to be willing uh, to move and to do your will. And Father, we'll ask this now in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Got a trivia question for you. Um, how many of y'all have ever heard of Hanukkah? Is Hanukkah in the Bible? Is Hanukkah in the Bible? You guys know I'm probably not going to ask you a question unless it's kind of a trick question. But uh, the answer is yes. Hanukkah is in the Bible, and we just read it. If you will, go back to verse 22. And the Bible says, and it was at Jerusalem, the Feast of the Dedication, and it was winter. God instituted seven different feasts, one of which is not the Feast of the Dedication, but you remember that there were some feasts added. You remember that Purim was added. Any of you have seen the, the play Esther? You know, we've, uh, Esther's been kind of on our minds this year. They celebrate, even to this day, the Feast of Purim because of what happened and the deliverance that God gave in the life and the testimony of Esther. And so God does allow for other feasts, okay? Matter of fact, it, it doesn't look like it because when you're reading John chapter 10, it looks like the theme for the whole chapter is, uh, is uh, Jesus being uh, the Lamb of God, or the Good Shepherd, if you will. And it looks like it's all one thing, but it clearly divides it here in verse 22. Because uh, this happened literally two months after what happened previous to this in the chapter. Okay, And so he's the one that's giving you the time marker there. All right? The Bible talks about being winter time. Uh, when is uh, Hanukkah? Hanukkah is around Christmas time. It is there, if you will, Jewish substitute for, uh, for Christmas, if you will. What uh, is the symbol, if you will, for Hanukkah? Yeah, the eight-candled candlestick, 
Okay? Now, if you were to look in the temple and the tabernacle, God did require a lampstand, candlestick, whatever you want to call it. And uh, it doesn't have eight branches, it has seven. And the reason for that is the tradition of, if you will, that they were under attack, and I'll talk more about that here in a second. But they prayed for a miracle, they had two days worth of oil, and somehow the oil lasted for eight days. And that's the reason that they take and they light that eight uh, candle. Now, I will tell you this, a lot of people think the symbol for Israel is the Star of David. That's, that's technically not true. The symbol for Israel is, is the seven-branched lampstand. And uh, quite often you'll see them together, okay? One is the king, one is the kingdom, I believe, at least my understanding of that. Now, why do they celebrate, if you will, uh, if you will, what they call Hanukkah, or what is called the Feast of Dedication? And by the way, Hanukkah, even today, is called the Feast of Dedication. And whatever you might know about it, the different traditions about it, probably aren't all that important, other than the reason that they celebrate it. Because you remember, I told you, it would be very important for you to remember one of the questions. They said, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And so, if you will, you remember we've been looking uh, at these uh, portions of Scripture here recently, and they have put Jesus on trial, Jesus has put them on trial, and they're trying to come up with a judgment. Who is Jesus? And the sad truth is, as a nation, they can't make this decision, okay? And so on this, this account here, they come and they demand of him, if thou be the Christ, tell us. What was his answer? He says, the works that I do for my Father, they testify of me. By the way, he ended the chapter by going back to the place of John the Baptist. Did John the Baptist testify of him? This is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Uh, follow him. He, he's your Messiah. He's your Savior. He's the one. And so, if you will, testimony upon testimony says, He is the Christ. He is the Christ. And yet they still will not believe. I don't know if you know why it's called the Feast of the Dedication. The reason it's called the Feast of the Dedication, they had actually done that once before. You remember when they went into captivity for 70 years, one of the things that was destroyed was the temple. And if you will, when they went back, they had to rebuild the walls, and they had to rebuild the foundation, they had to rebuild the temple, if you will. And when they finally got those things done, the Bible tells us, if you will, in the book of Ezra, in, in Ezra um, uh, chapter 6, it talks about, in verses 13 through 18, it talks about the dedication of the restored temple. Meaning we can use our temple again, but the Feast of Dedication is not talking about that. It's talking about a Feast of Dedication that happened because of a man named Antiochus Epiphanes. Has anybody ever heard of Antiochus Epiphanes? Well, the Bible does talk about Antiochus Epiphanes. And Antiochus Epiphanes, if you will, is a type of the Antichrist. And the reason he's a type of the Antichrist is he's Greek. He can't, he can't be the Antichrist, okay? He doesn't qualify, okay? But he is a foreshadowing of the Antichrist. And the Bible talks about him, if you will, in Daniel chapter 11. I want you to see this, okay? In Daniel chapter 11, look at verse 31. Keep yourself here because we're coming back. Daniel chapter 11, verse 31 And uh, the Bible says, and arms shall stand on his part. He's talking about he's going to have armies, okay? He's going to have armies. And the Bible says, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength. He's talking about the holy, the holy place, okay? Talking about the temple mount, the temple. And shall take away the daily sacrifice, and they shall place the abomination that maketh desolate. You guys ever heard about that? Abomination of desolation. We'll, we'll look at that here in just a moment. We'll skip down just for sake of time. Skip down to verse 36, and it describes who this king is here. And the Bible says, And the king shall do according to his will. And what his will is this, is, is he was a wicked king, and, and I don't want to go into too much history, but uh, he had gone to war with the king of Egypt, the king of the south, and everybody heard that he was dead. And so everybody in Jerusalem went, Yes, he's dead, he's dead. And the only problem is he wasn't dead. Now, you guys ever heard uh, this expression, if you take a shot at the king, you better not miss? They missed. <laughs> okay? And so they're all, yes, he's dead, he's dead. And he here he hears about it, and he circles back to Jerusalem, and he has a reign of terror where he is killing people. And he sets himself up as an idol in the, in the Holy of Holies. And just to make sure that people 
understand how defiled they are, he commits the abomination that makes desolate. If, if you're not familiar with what that is, is he literally boiled a pig. Now, is a pig a clean or an unclean animal? Unclean. He boiled a pig, and he took all the broth, and he poured it on the Temple Mount. Okay? Then they had a war that is called the Maccabean War. Jake, uh, not Jacob. I'm going to say that wrong. Um, Judas Maccabeus. Okay? And you say, well, why haven't I read that in the Bible? Because it's prophesied in the book of Daniel. But historically, it's written in a book called Maccabees, okay? Now, some people put that in their Bible. We don't because it's not, inspired, it's not inspired literature, but it is history. And it does tell us this whole story. It tells us this whole account. How many of you all have ever heard of Josephus? Josephus talks about this very same thing, and we would consider him a historian, okay? So between those books and uh, the different history books, the Bible tells us about Antiochus Epiphanes. Well, what is the greatest, if you will... Um, abomination that a person can put in the temple of God. You folks, people went to the temple to meet God. Jesus Christ, in our passage of Scripture, claimed to be the Son of God. They took up stones to kill him because they say, by saying that, you make yourself equal with God. And he basically says this. He says, listen, God said you're gods. By the way, he means governors, leaders, kings. Okay, that's what he means. That's what that word means. He says, so why can't I be the son of God? Okay. And so if you will, he says, he says, uh, uh, God, my father witnessed of me and John the Baptist witnessed of me and my miracles have witnessed of me and the words that I speak have witnessed of me. And by the way, eventually the sacrificial death that he was to take and offer, if you will, would witness of me that he is the Christ the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior, the one they're supposed to be looking for. Amen. And if you will, he stands there and they said, if thou be the Christ, tell us plainly, we're tired of all the parables. Amen. And he says, he says, I've told you what you don't believe. And I've showed you, but you will not see. You see, God takes and he says this. He says, having eyes to see, they could not see. Having ears to hear, they would not hear, okay? And so if you will, uh, Jesus is taking and rebuking them. And if you will, that is, that in a sense, is the reminder of Hanukkah, okay? Of how that they cleansed the temple so that they could receive their Savior. And folks, their Savior is standing right there. What do I mean? I'm going to finish this message by talking about irony. Anybody know what irony is? I had, to, I had to get a definition because I wanted to make sure I got it right. Irony is a state of affairs or an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often amusing as a result. Now, I don't know that this is all that funny, but they're saying, if you're the Christ, tell us. I told you. Well, we're going to kill you. They tried to do it twice in our text. We will not have this man. You say you're the Christ, but uh, you don't pass our judgment. We're going to talk about that here in a second. Folks, do you realize that in that same place, in that same way, irony, one day they're going to take and they're going to receive the Antichrist. And they're going to say, this is our Messiah. Can I tell you what a tragedy? What a tragedy. That's the irony of this situation here. And we see, if you will, uh, the first thing that we see back in our text, go if you will, we see the picture of Antichrist in verses 22 and 23. We've kind of talked about that, so I'll move on. But the Bible says it was the Feast of the Dedication. What was the purpose of the Feast of the Dedication, if you will? The cleansed temple when somebody stood in there and said, Worship me as God, and they said, We will not. And they held a, a rebellion and, and fought against it, okay? Well, that's a good thing, amen? Except it foreshadowed the Antichrist. Notice what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Excuse me. Look at verse uh, 15. And the Bible says, When ye therefore see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. 
Then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let, them, let him which is on the housetop not come down uh, to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. By the way, he's saying this. If somebody claims to be Christ and they're not Christ, run! Amen? And you say, well, wait a minute. You said Antiochus Epiphanes was that person. Dual fulfillment of Scripture. God gave a Greek example for what many people believe is a Roman, if you will, Antichrist, if you will. And the Bible says in verse 19, it says, And woe unto them that are with child, and, and them that give suck in those days. By the way, what's that mean? No quarter, no mercy, folks. They're not even going to show mercy to pregnant women and women who've had babies. You all understand that? A wicked, wicked time. But pray thee that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. By the way, the picture of Hanukkah is in the winter. <laughs> I don't know if it's true, but it, it fits the type. The Bible says, for then shall be, say it with me, shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the time of the beginning of the world, which is to come. Now, folks, I, the Bible says, except those days should be short and no flesh should be saved. Going to be some terrible days. And by the way, is there going to be a difference? Well, the difference is you read the book of Revelation. The Bible talks about the false prophet taking and building a statue, if you will, kind of like Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And he tells everybody to fall down and to worship the beast. And, and, and we call him the Antichrist. And, 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 and the world's going to fall down. Amen. And then the Jews are going to go, Jesus is the Christ. And he told us way back there in John chapter 10, that book that we didn't want to read. Amen. And he fulfilled the type here and he's fulfilling the prophecy here. And their eyes are going to be open. And by the way, the devil's not really good at people not obeying him. Amen. If you read the book of Revelation, you're going to see that many of those believing Jews have to literally hide or they die. That's the reason they're fleeing and they're running. They said, when you see this happen, and what he's going to do is he's going to stand up and he's going to say, I'll give you food, I'll give you safety, I'll give you everything you want, but you got to worship me. And that's the abomination that makes desolate. Why? Because there's only one God in heaven, only one name we bow down for. Amen. And they're going to take and they're going to see it. We see verses 22 and 23, literally, folks, literally, the only way to understand that is the fulfillment of that Daniel chapter 11 prophecy that is also explained to us by Jesus in Matthew chapter 24. Now, what was their problem with the true Christ? Notice what, uh, back in our text, what was their problem with the true Christ? John chapter 10, verse 24, it says, Then came the Jews round about and said unto him, How long dost thou make us a doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, say it with me, because ye are not my, of my sheep. Amen. He says, you're not mine. And so here's the reason you will not receive me, is they not, could not believe. Folks, get a hold of this. They would not believe. Can I tell you this? That if a person is hell, it's not going to in hell, lake of fire, whatever you want to call it, they're not going to be there because of lack of capacity. Well, I just couldn't believe. That's lack of, no, no, you made a choice. I will not believe. I would not believe. Why do you not hear my voice? Because you're not my sheep, and you've chosen not to be of my flock. You don't want me for your good shepherd. Amen. And so you have rejected me you know, true believers, I want you to think about this. It sounds a little bit silly, but true believers are not smarter than unbelievers. Amen? I don't know that's an amen moment here. Yeah, we're dumber than them. <laughs> no, please take this the right way. You know, that's part of some people's problem is they think they're too intelligent to need that old-fashioned mysticism and mythology. Well, let me let you in a little secret. This is not mysticism and mythology. This is the Word of God. And if you will, some people, sad but true, their problem actually is their intelligence. Well, I'm just too smart to believe in those kind of things. What a tragedy. I don't know about you. Any, oh, hey, those of us who are around my age, how many of you all remember your parents complaining about new math? <laughs> remember that? 
Your mom, my mom would say, I can't help you with your homework because you're doing new math. How many of y'all know this? They've had newer math. <laughs> and if you look at how they're teaching math now, you're like, I, folks, I'm just telling you, we're living in a world today teaching people not how to think <laughs> or not how to reason and not how to understand. But the problem is they all walk around thinking that they're smarter than you. Amen. And can I just tell you this? That kind of arrogance has sent a lot of people to hell. I don't need that. I don't need that kind of thinking. I don't need you. Oh, no. You do need him. And he showed you every way he could show you that he is a God who loves you, was willing to sacrifice himself for you, didn't ask you to pay the price. He said, I'll pay the price and give it back to you as a gift. I can't believe that. Uh, can't is really not the issue. I won't believe that. Okay? I won't believe that. We see that they would not believe his evidences. They thought that they were too smart. And their problem really was their will. Well, what, what is it in the will that keeps people from believing? Look at chapter 11. Look at verse 66. Or 46. Sorry. John chapter 11, verse 46. The Bible says, but some of them, by the way, some of them had just witnessed Lazarus come from the dead. I got to ask you a question. How many of y'all would be impressed if somebody was dead and they came back to life? How many of y'all know that every time it happens, it makes the news? And you say, it never happens. It does happen. I, I'm going to let you know a little secret. They weren't all the way dead. Y'all with me? I'm not trying to be clever, guys. I'm trying to make a point. Because it happens about every 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, they'll always write a book about it, how that they went to heaven and they saw God. And the last time it happened, it was a young man, a, a, a young man. He wrote a whole book about, about going to heaven and all the wonderful things that he saw and everything like that. And, and, and so everybody's like, oh, we got to believe, we got to believe. That's a bunch of nonsense. Because when you die, you die. <coughs> Amen. And so if anybody ever really saw somebody dead for, well, let's, let's put a time frame on it. If they're dead for an hour, can they come back to life? I'm not trying to creep anybody out, but folks, I've sat by people while they're dying, and they will die. And half an hour later, they got a heartbeat. You say, that doesn't happen. I'm telling you, I've seen it happen. Okay? I've seen it happen. Did they come back to life? No, they died eventually. Oh, with me? Okay? But somebody says, oh, no, 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 no. Either you die or you don't. Okay, so let's, let's, let's do more than a half an hour. Let's do more than four or five hours. How about this? Let's do three days and three nights. How many of y'all think he's probably dead? I'm not being clever. Y'all with me? How long was Lazarus dead? Four days. And they said, don't open that tomb because by now he stinks. Y'all with me? And all Jesus did is he walked up and he said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus walked out of that grave. And I don't know about you, my jaw would hit the floor. And I'd be like those people when Elijah brought fire down from heaven. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Jesus is the Christ. He's the Savior. And a few of them did. But most of them went and told the Pharisees. Hey, man, he just raised somebody from the dead. Amen? Did you see the verse I gave you? They went and told the Pharisees. You know what the Pharisees said? Have any one of us believed in him? We're the leaders. We're the influencers. We're the, we're the theologues. We're the people who know the Bible. And we've never heard such a thing. Of course you haven't heard such a thing because only God could do something like that. You know what? Uh, they had never heard of fire coming down from heaven and licking up stones before Elijah. Amen. And their own pride. Hey, we're Pharisees. We understand the Bible. This just couldn't have happened. It did happen. And you know how I know that you knew it happened? Because when Jesus died, you guarded the tomb. And they said, don't let that door open. <laughs> he said he's coming back. Come on now. Amen. 
They took and, and, and some people, no matter what evidence you give them, they will not believe because of pride, because of position. Look at verse 44 or 48. In verse 48, the Bible says this. He says, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. We have too much of, of power and position to take and to believe on him. We choose not to believe on him so that we can maintain our wealth, our lifestyle, our, amen? How about this one, their power? Think about this. Why did Judas Iscariot turn on Jesus? Remember what they kept arguing about? Who's going to sit on the right hand and who's going to sit on the left hand? Amen? And please take this the right way. What position did Judas hold? Treasure. I'm going to let you in a little secret. He who holds the money has got a powerful position. Amen? And so they're, they're arguing about who's on the right hand and who's on the left hand. And Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem to die. And he said, no. <laughs> no, I didn't join all this not to get... How many of y'all have ever heard of name it, claim it theology? What happens when a name it, claim it theologian gets cancer? Can you imagine how that challenges their faith? Well, I've been a good person. I believe in Jesus. How come I, I have positively confessed? No, that's not what saves a person. Faith in Jesus Christ saves a person. Amen? And so some people, because of their pride, some people because of their position, some people because of the power that they hold over their lives and others, and some just because of their passions. Look at John chapter 6. Look at verse 26. John chapter 6 and verse 26. I kind of go back to this. I, I don't know why this is on my mind, but uh, that name it, claim it theology is still active in the world we live in. And in John chapter 6 and verse 26, the Bible says this, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles. And by the way, what did he say vouched for him? The miracles. Amen? But because you did eat the loaves and were filled. You know what he said? As long as I'm meeting your every need and, and, and giving you a good life and a fancy car and good food and a nice house, you're going to love me. Amen? But you remember what Jesus said? He said, any man that follows me better be willing to take up his cross. Anybody that follows me better count the cost before he starts. Why? Because it's, it might cost you everything you have. And some people say, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I, I'm, I won't do that. You see, their problem was their will. I want you to notice, though, if you will, go back to our text. Look at verse 28. We see the picture of the Antichrist in verses 22 and 23. We see their problem with the true Christ is they just did not want to believe in him. But then we see the present that he was willing to give them, okay, that Christ was willing to give them. Look what the Bible says in verse 28. In verse 28, the Bible says, I give unto them, say it with me, eternal life. But it doesn't say everlasting life there because in a sense eternal life starts and never ends, Okay. I don't know if that's a distinction or anything. But he said, I'm giving them eternal life. You may have done a word study on the word eternal. I, I did for the first time because I, I, I thought, you know, this might be a good one to take and to look. Because the Bible says, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Interesting. The word perish means to be destroyed fully or completely. Does that help us to understand the fate of the lost? The Bible says, uh, we saw this morning in 1 Corinthians 15, that the last enemy that is going to be defeated is death. I'm not trying to be gross. But folks, what happens when a person dies? I mean, their body rots and decays. and That's why they couldn't open the tomb on the fourth day. Do you all understand that? And, and if you will, the utter destruction of this body. Now, some of us are experiencing that just by getting older. <laughs> Amen? But when God says, I'm going to give you everlasting life, meaning I'm going to, I'm going to warranty your body. <laughs> Amen. Any of y'all looking forward to a new body? 
I am, okay? And I'm going to make it so that you're ever able to be with me, eat from the tree of life, drink from the river of water that flows from the throne of God, amen? Be in the presence of me and my angels and all of God's redeemed, amen? And, 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 and ever to be with the Lord. What's everybody's favorite thing about heaven? Jesus, I mean, you can name any number of names. How about this one? How about, how many of y'all want to see mom or dad again? Amen. Some favorite church member again. Amen. Isn't it the reunion of the people and, if you will, the restoration of relationship? Amen. What's hell going to be like? The Bible says it's going to be outer darkness, utter darkness. Why? Because there's no light there because the light's in heaven. Amen. And it's going to be as if a, a burning flame burns day and night forever and ever, the Bible says in the book of Revelation. Amen. What's it smell like? Sulfur and rottenness and, 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 and just, if you will, decay. Okay. What are people going to be doing? The Bible says they're going to be weeping and wailing. And what's the Bible say? And why do they do that? The implication is they're not just gnashing their teeth, they're biting their cheek. Anybody have ever done that? I mean, on purpose. You hurt your leg so bad, you want to forget about your leg hurting for a minute. And, like, ah. and it just gives you a little bit of relief from the pain. And by the way, they say, oh, I'm going to be in hell with all my friends. No, you're not. For one thing, you won't be able to see them. And for the second thing, all you're going to hear is their weeping and their wailing. Amen. Can you compare that to the promises of God in heaven? Does that help you to understand what it means to perish? To be utterly destroyed? Everything you value, everything you want, everything that's meaningful, everything that's glorious, everything that's gracious, everything that's lovely is going to be destroyed. Anybody here not like getting cut flowers? Yeah. Is it economic or is there another reason? It's economic. It's what? hate watching them die. I've had people, you want to buy them a flower and say, don't give me a cut flower. Why? I don't want to watch it die. Amen? So give those people potted plants. Amen. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, there is nothing worse even in our own life's experience is to watch somebody waste away. And God says, if you'll receive of me, if you'll receive me, I will give you the gift of everlasting life whereby you will never fade away, decay away, lose everything. Matter of fact, everything's going to be restored unto you. Everything you value, everything you want, everything that's meaningful will be restored and not perish. We see Jesus offers, if you will, eternal life. And I don't know about you. How many of you all have ever been given a gift and you ruin it? I am notorious for buying very nice coats and losing them the first day I have them. My mother, if she was here, would be glad to tell you about the one I lost at the roller skating rink for my birthday that day. <laughs> okay. And I just, oh, it's frustrating. How many of y'all, can I, by way of testimony, any of y'all glad to have the gift of everlasting life? Amen. Wouldn't it be awful if you could lose it? And I don't know about you, but I could lose it. Listen, you've seen me today lose my glasses two or three times, and they're on my person. Amen? The Bible says this. He says, says, and no man shall pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. My Father and I are one. Meaning this, you're mine. Why? Because you want it to be. Amen? Well, I'm going to mess up the relationship. Don't you worry about it. I got you. I don't know about you, but there is nothing better than a child who can trust a parent. You You guys ever seen those things where they say, you know, just, you know, we'll catch you. Yeah, no thank you. Amen. But can I just tell you this? If I ever did that with my kids, I've had my kids... 
And I'd say, jump, I'll catch you. <sighs> Trust me, I'll catch you. Okay? And you do it on purpose just to teach them to trust. Amen? And so, now, by the way, if you're not strong enough to catch your child, don't say, trust me, okay? <laughs> but when they're small, you, can, you know, boom, right? Gotcha. I told you I wouldn't drop you. Amen? Can I just tell you this? Jesus looks at you and says, I got you. Amen. Don't worry about it. But I really messed up this time. Well, number one, I made you my son, and I'm not going to unmake you my son. But if it's affected our relationship, just confess it and I'll restore the relationship. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is not talking about salvation, it's talking about relationship. Amen? And God says this, from now on, once you've chosen me, I'm your Savior, I'm your God, you're my Son, forever, eternal life. Nobody can get you out of my hand. Well, don't you suppose? No, I don't suppose. Why? Man, I got to tell you, let's think about that song. It's probably a bad song. I don't know, but, you know, he's got the whole world in his hand. He doesn't really have the whole world. I mean, he is control. But, folks, the hands that hold us into everlasting life, those are some glorious hands. Those are some glorious hands. He offers us eternal life. He offers us eternal security. Amen. And then he gives us proof that he is the Christ. Meaning this, I, I talked about evidence. Evidence is not 100% proof. And the reason for that is this, is because without faith it is impossible to please him. Meaning, in a sense, he's saying, you got to trust me. you got to trust me. Why? Because no other way will work. And I don't want anybody to ever forget, he started with that and he's going to finish with that. I think it's good for us to remember, even in the Garden of Eden, he said, eat from everything, it's wonderful. But trust me, don't eat from this one. That's literally what he's saying. Do you all understand that? Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he could have given a complete list of why you don't want to do it. And the reason was you don't want to know the consequences of evil. It's death and destruction. Amen. Trust me, don't eat from that tree. Trust me, don't eat from that tree. And then Jesus comes and he says, trust me, I am the Christ. Trust me, I am the good shepherd. Trust me, I'm, I'm the propitiation, I'm the substitutionary sacrifice. I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to pay your penalty for sin. Come on now, amen? Trust me. Well, show us a miracle. Please take it the right way. He's already shown them some amazing miracles. And it doesn't say it in this text, but he does say it. In, he, says, he says, I'm only going to show you one. Amen? I want you, chapter 11 is about Lazarus. Okay? He's already proved he can raise a dead person from the grave. Amen? And he says this. I'll give you one sign. I'll give you one. By the way, who knows how many signs he'd already given them. Are you with me? I'm going to be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. And then I'm coming out. That's another message for another day, why it had to be three days and three nights. But the whole point is this. He's saying, if that's the sign, then that's the one I'm giving you. I've heard Jews joke about if Jesus came again, they'd kill him again. If Jesus came again, they'd kill him again. They laugh about that. They just think it's so funny. And the sad truth is, they're not going to be laughing about that someday. Show us a sign. Don't make us doubt anymore. And folks, the irony of it all is this, is one day in that same place, I believe at the same time of year, making the same decision, they're going to choose Antichrist over Christ. Why? Because he gives them power and prestige and money and food. Amen. And some of them are going to follow that Antichrist right to their destruction. Amen. When all the time Jesus was standing there on that day of dedication where it had been cleansed and said, if you want to know who Christ is, I already told you.
Friend, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, please let today be the day. And maybe you got a lost friend or a lost loved one that really, really, really needs to make a better choice. Maybe you just want to come and lift their name before the Lord. Let's all stand, if you would. Let's all stand. Turn to 392.